Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, an interesting night at Raymond James Stadium. That's where we are to record this edition of the Rick and Tom podcast. Everybody, Tom Jones, Rick Straw, Tampa Bay Times. Our producer is Steve Firstnick. And just a couple hours ago, as we're sitting right now in the Raymond James Press Box, we watched the Tampa Bay Bucks come up just short in a 24-21. Actually, I shouldn't say they came up short. They came up just wide right in a 24-21 loss to the Atlanta Falcons on a night that John Gruden was inducted into the Bucks Ring of Honor. Rick, I don't even know where to start with this game, but it's been an interesting week capped by a much closer game than I think either one of us anticipated. Yeah, it was a, you know, it was a very entertaining game. I mean, when you consider that the Bucks uh, came into this game missing some guys on defense obviously with Gerald McCoy and Lamonte David and then Tom, I don't know I don't really remember a game where 10 players on one team were announced injured. Nine of them did not return. The only guy that did was Cameron Brait. Uh, and yet they, they uh, were down two scores. You know, they came back, had a chance to tie it. And then, of course, Patrick Murray misses from 54 yards. And even that was bizarre how that, how that transpired because they may have had a chance to get a little closer until the official fell down spotting the ball. So um, it was, uh, it was a, an entertaining night. I thought Gruden was entertaining at halftime. We can talk about that. But all in all, it, you know, probably the best game Jameis Winston has played this year, and yet they fell short. They did not get the win. You mentioned Jameis Winston, Rick, and I think that's where I'd like to start with this game because we'll get into the whole Gruden stuff, as you mentioned. But uh, Jameis Winston, Rick, this was we, I've seen every game he's ever played in the National Football League, as you have. I've seen it in person. This was as good as he's looked. Jameis played a heck of a game. Probably played his best game this season. Uh, Jameis was, was very sharp tonight. Uh, took care of the football, was accurate through the deep ball with accuracy, checked it down, uh, did a good job leading our football team. You know, Jameis played very well. Now, there may have been other games where he, you know, he threw for more touchdowns or he, or he or high, but there was one game where he had a higher quarterback rating. His quarterback rating Monday night, 130.5. He was 27 to 35, Rick. And of those 27 completions and, and of the whatever, the uh, eight incompletions there were a couple of drops in there threw for 299 yards three touchdowns didn't throw an interception this rick when you drafted Jameis winston three years ago with the number one pick it was games like this that you wanted to draft now we can get into they didn't score a whole lot of points maybe not enough points to win this game they only scored 20 or 21 but at the bottom line is rick they played i thought Jameis winston played i was the best game i've seen him play all around, best game I've seen him play. I think he was the, the most controlled he's been. Um, he's thrown for more yards, obviously, and he's thrown three touchdowns in a game before. Um, but from start to finish, you know, there was the times there was pressure, and he scrambled out of it and made plays with his arm. There was time there was pressure, and he, you know, got got what he could get with his feet and and got down or got out of bounds. He protected the football. I mean, he did fumble one time. Um, the Bucks were able to recover that, but. Um, yeah, I thought it was the, the, the hardest he competed and, and with 
you know, under the circumstances, you know, losing so many players, I mean, um, you know, OJ Howard catches a touchdown and, and gets hurt. And, um, you know, they, Cameron Brait was in and out of the game and, um, Lost you know, Deshaun were, Jackson. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson. I mean, three guys were in a boot after the game. So I mean, it was just, it was just one of those nights where everybody was taking turns going down, and yet he did not blink. And I think that's that's what you want to see from a developing young quarterback is a guy that is going to keep competing, uh, keep making the guys around him better, and giving his chance, his team a chance to win. And he did that tonight. I mean, a couple things happened where you know a young player. And Peyton Barber fumbles at the five yard line. I mean, that's mm-hmm. they're going to score a touchdown, and he fumbles and loses the ball. You know, on the other side, Devontae Freeman fumbles, and they recover it in the end zone for a touchdown. I mean, there's your game. I mean, it really comes down to a player, too. You can't say, well, the quarterback didn't play well enough to win because he did, and yet those turnovers wound, wound up beating them. So um, disappointing. And uh, I think Jameis at this point, you know, is just over the, the losing. It just it starts to really wear on you. There was one play in particular, Rick, that really impressed me with uh, with Jameis Winston on Monday night, and it was a, a, a play where the, the Bucks had a – I'm not even sure what the situation was, but he goes back to pass, and the Bucks are driving. They're probably like they're, – they're in their own territory, maybe just barely in their own territory. And he starts scrambling, and there's a couple of guys he maybe could throw a ball towards, and, and they're semi-covered but maybe open enough. And he looked at it and decided to take off and run with it. And because he, he had plenty of room to run, it was a 13-yard gain. It was a nice pickup. It was 13 yards. Now there might have been a greater risk reward on another play. Maybe he could have flipped it over the middle, picked up maybe 15, 20 yards. This he looked at it and he made the absolute safest play he could make. And yet it was a very productive play. wasn't a 40-yarder, wasn't a 50-yarder, but it was a nice 13-yard gain. Kept the sticks moving. And that's the thing, Rick. I, there was no throws he made. He, now, he threw some balls into some tight windows, but there was never any throws that I thought that he made where as soon as you let it go, you were like, <gasps> what are you doing? Like, like, and usually you get a couple of those a week out of Jameis Winston. This was, again, the mo- yeah, I thought you put it well. It was the most controlled he has played. He plays like this, Rick. They're going to win a lot of football games. I'm convinced of it. The problem is he doesn't always play like that. I don't know what the difference was, though, Monday night. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, you could say there's a national TV audience. You could say a lot of things. He did still, though. That what I what I liked is that while he was in control, he still he still took his shots. I mean, sure. he, he threw the ball down the field to Mike Evans, who got called twice for pass interference. When he did hit Mike Evans on a deep ball for a touchdown, which we haven't seen all year, uh, he basically threw it into double coverage and gave Mike Evans a chance to go up and make a play. And he said after the game, you know, and you guys can shred me up for the whole year for not giving him that chance, and I will take it. Because uh, that's, that's the truth, you know. Sometimes it's, it's concepts, but in that situation, man, when Mike's one on one or no one's around, I got to give him a chance, and, and that's that's really on me. That's been on me. I have not done enough of that. Like I need to trust that guy that he's going to go up even with two people on him and come down with it. And I told him that you know he's been way too unselfish, and you know people have been on me about not not getting Mike Evans the ball. And he goes, and they're right. I I, I need to remember that. You know, he's one of the elite receivers. but So I still think he, he had a lot of playmaking ability tonight, moving around in the pocket, um, kind of creating for himself. And yet it was, it was again, it was very controlled. And um, and having said all that, though, Tom, they scored 21 points. Yeah. You know, and I, I know, know he doesn't control the fumble at the five-yard line and things happen. But they had, you know, they had some three and outs. They had a chance to stay even with the Falcons. The, the defense obviously was undermanned and, and uh, Atlanta was up and down the field, especially running the ball with Freeman. But 
you know, you can't. I mean, if this is as well as he can play and they score 21, what's what's missing? I guess. I, yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I think you make a good point because teams, this happens to every team. But again, if you take away the fumble, they're probably going to score a touchdown there. You add seven points there. And essentially, the only reason Patrick Murray missed that field goal at the end is the Bucks ran out of time. It wasn't like they they were moving the football. They just they just <laughs> well, had no time that's left. Kind of, that's what happens. You can't I play until that. Tuesday. <laughs> You know, hey, I just to, give us give us another quarter. We're you know gonna what I'm saying? Like, we're gonna win. It wasn't a fourth down play. It was for, it was second down when they kicked. They just the clock ran out of. My point being is, you kick a field goal there, and you do and you don't fumble the ball. You're talking about 31 points. I mean, so it was like the offense was good enough to move the the football down the field. They did. They moved it up and down. I mean, he had 300 yards, and and you know, they, uh, Barber ran the ball pretty well. Again, it was the turnovers. And the fact that, you know, when Atlanta put it on the ground, they recovered their own fumbles. I mean, you know, fumbling in the end zone for a touchdown is not a play that you that you put in your playbook. Um, right. There was another another fumble where on Atlanta's 15-yard line that, you know, Justin Evans has a hand, his hands on the, on the football and, and isn't able to come up with it. So those things happen, and it just seems like that's the kind of year it's been. You know, you, you do need some luck in this league. You really do. Um, I think I'm still a big believer that you create your own luck and that you overcome sure. adversity when you have it, like a Peyton Barber fumble. They weren't good enough. They're not good enough, Tom. That when they don't play near perfect, they right. don't win. I mean, if you yeah. if you notice, there's you know, in every game's one or two plays, right? But the teams that win make the plays. The teams that win don't fumble the ball at the five yard line. They they make the plays that are there to be made. You're not always perfect, but and this is what has been the problem with the Bucks all season is that, you know, they just, you know, if, if the if, if the team they're playing isn't kicking the crap out of them, they kick their own butts because they, they have penalties, they have mistakes. They didn't have it tonight, but, you know, it was still – it still wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough. And that's that's really what – when they, you know, when they get in there and they talk about Dirk Cutter, if they haven't already made up their minds, that four that's sitting in, in that win column yeah. is going to get them. Yeah, that's that's the one that's hard to overcome because you can look at a game like Monday night and and they played hard. Now there's also a part of you that says they're professional football players. They're supposed to play hard. That's that's the given part. You're supposed to go out there and play hard. But you, Rick, you've watched a lot of games in your in, in in your career covering the National Football League. And I'll go back to the the year that Raheem Morris was here. I don't know. I don't know that they quit, but they those t- those games weren't even competitive down the stretch. This was a competitive football game. They played hard and they played well enough to win. So I will give him a little bit of credit for the fact that the, these guys went out there and they're still playing hard. And I don't know, Rick, you and I were both in the locker room after the game. There was a different vibe in that locker room. It's not that they were content or it's not that they were satisfied with just coming close, but you could tell that there, was no, there wasn't an anger in there. There wasn't this, this, like this feeling of dejection that, that we've seen like a week ago, and when we're up, when we're up in Green Bay, or last week, and when we were here against Detroit, um, there was a feeling of, "Hey, man, <laughs> we went out and played really hard. I don't know what else we could have done." Didn't you get that vibe in the locker room? Yeah, total, totally. Um, I think anytime, you know, uh, just watching uh, uh, Jameis go up to the players that were were hurt, and, and their seasons are probably over. I mean, I don't know about Deshaun per se, but there was a, a bunch of guys that that walked out of there with boots on and with two weeks left. A short week this week to go to Carolina and then wrapping up against New Orleans, you're not going to take a risk if a guy is hurt just to get him to play in in, in week 17. So, um, there I think there was this feeling of hey guys, you know we 
we competed our butts off. Like that's yeah, that's what we're paid to do. But at this point in the season, it'd be four and nine. And and look, Atlanta could win this division. Atlanta has two more games against Carolina and New Orleans. If they win them both, they they're the division champs. So this is not, you know, this is these these teams in the NFC South this year all could make the playoffs except for the Bucks. So you're not playing bad teams, but and yet, you know, even though in losing, there wasn't it wasn't like while wow, we really gave that away, you know, it was sort of, hey, we fought and fought and fought, and you know, we came within you know a few inches of tying the game, and who knows, maybe we win it in overtime. One of the other things you mentioned, Rick, was uh, the 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 Mike Evans interference calls. And I'm telling you what, I think Mike Evans is starting to get a reputation among referees. The first, the second call, I'll give you that one. I, it was it was pass interference. He did push off, although. Boy, that guy went down pretty easy, uh, I thought. It, 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 he's such a strong player, Mike Evans. He's such a strong uh, man that when he pushes somebody, they actually fall down. The first one I thought was kind of a cheap call. I thought it was chintzy. I, I thought it was one of those calls that was like, man, come on, this is professional football. Let 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 them hand fight a little bit. And Atlanta's a type of team. Their corners are very aggressive. Both guys are hand fighting. Just because one guy, if you're gonna let, if you're gonna allow the hand fighting, just because one guy's a little stronger than the other, you shouldn't be penalized for that. I think Mike Evans is starting to get a reputation, Rick. That that, and you're gonna start to see a lot of these calls. Um, in that, there's uh, you know, he's gonna get called for penalties that he doesn't deserve. I, I, I it's something that he needs to worry about. I think moving forward. Um, yes and no. Uh, I I think that. You know, he's got to play his game, and it just depends on how the game is being called, and you can have inconsistencies in the same game. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I mean... I knew defensive backs who's who's and I think this is true of Atlanta with Desmond Trufant and some of those guys. Their whole their whole philosophy is this. I'm gonna grab clutch and hold all day because they literally can't throw a flag on every play. Like mm-hmm. the referees know, like I, I just can't call pass interference and, and it's five yards, five yards, five yards, you know, unless there's a shot play. But if you hold them from the line of scrimmage like they do, um, then at some point you're gonna get one or two. But as long as it's not a backbreaker, you just you live with it because otherwise, Mike Evans is too big and too strong. Now the problem is is that Mike doesn't really run away from people. You know, Mike doesn't. I mean, he's he's a strider, but he's not a burner. So, you know, his route running is okay. Um, he doesn't create a lot of separation. So in in man coverage, he's he's going to use his size almost like a. I mean, he's really a basketball player, walling off people and, and trying to get body position for for opportunity balls. So. That's who Mike Evans is, and, and, and he'll have to live with the flags, and sometimes he'll get them, and, and sometimes he won't. But tonight, I agree. The second, the first pass interference, he was using his technique, which is to get the hands off of him. You know, you, you know the guy's right. got his hands on his chest. You have, to, you have to swat down at it and actually take the guy's arm and, and push it off of you. And when he did that, they called a penalty, which I thought was bad. My my thing, you just mentioned a minute ago. You're right. You're exactly right, Rick. That Atlanta's very aggressive, and they're gonna 
sort of that attitude of, hey, we're just going to do it every play, and if we get caught on it twice, we're making up, we'll be ahead of the game. It reminds me of a, of a hockey analogy where uh, if your goaltender makes a save and the other team, you allow, if you're at the referees, you're going to allow the guys to whack away at your, ref, at your goaltender. Okay, fine, but here's the deal. If you're not going to do anything about it, I am. I'm going to clear that out. I'm going to cross-check people and knock people over. And what I don't like in the NHL is, okay, you allowed their guy to whack away at it, but then when I cleaned it up because you're not calling anything, then you're going to call a penalty on me. That's not fair. Either you call at the beginning or you let me handle it. And that's the way I feel about Mike Evans. It's like Mike Evans is – I think Mike Evans is perfectly content by saying, okay, you're going to let us hand fight? You're going to let us sort of rub paint as we go down He's the field? He's fine with it. He's fine, fine. with it. Let, well, let's play. Let, well, let's I'll play, play that the game whole game that way. That's right. 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 And, and you can't blame me because I'm stronger than the other guy. You're going to let us be physical. You're going to let that guy get away with it. Let me get away with it. And my, my problem with if I'm Mike Evans is – now I'm worried that people are going to start targeting me. And even Dirk Cutter sort of alluded to that, that he's yeah, got a bit know of a that reputation. To, they know that's his game. And, and I mean, and sometimes, like Dirk said, he goes, look. You know, the, the deep one, that was a heck of a throw by Jameis, but that, that was an obvious push by Mike. And uh, the first one, I didn't have a good good view of that. But, you know, Mike's a, Mike is a, he's he's been known to do that. So these officials, they, they study videotape, too, and um, you know, you'd you'd hope it was you'd hope it was fifty fifty. You know, if you straighten your arm out and, and lock your elbow, you are going to get you know you you got to be a little more subtle than that. So um, it's part of learning how to play in this league and learning how people call pass interference against you. The other big part of Monday night, Rick uh, John Gruden goes into the Bucks Ring of Honor. He had a pretty nice speech and he thanked everybody. Thanked this. They don't give those guys much time. I was thinking about this as I was watching his his speech. It's really unfortunate there's so little time. He really can't. Maybe it's good. <laughs> it doesn't turn into a 35-minute Hall of Fame speech or whatever, but, um, but it's so quick they just have – they really can't even – it's just basically naming as many people as they can name in 10 minutes or whatever. Well, and then he yeah. ran and, – and, you know, it, it would be nice. To, I, don't know if, I don't know how else you could do it. You probably can't do it after a game, and before a game doesn't really work either. That's the only time you could really do it. Um, but he, he gave a nice speech, and then he did this goofy thing at the end where they – uh, they actually ran their, the first touchdown from Super Bowl 37. 37. Yeah, with uh, Mark Allstott, right? Or Mike Allstott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got Deckeroff. surprised. He got it right. He got it right. He said Mike Allstott. He did. He had uh, Gene Deggeroff call the play uh, as, as he had, and, you know, Allstott off the gut, touchdown, whatever, Tampa Bay. But the thing is, is that John brought – you know what John brought? And it was, this was just a small sample of it, and I got to thinking about this. I, should, I probably should have put it in a story, but I didn't, is that – John brought energy. You know, they ran the videotape of John at training camp, you know, his mm-hmm. first year. And the way he – every single day, if you talk to Brad Johnson or those players, he was, he was the juice. He was the energy. He was the guy. And I think when this is all over, you know, people will, will look at that and say, you know what, that's what this team needs now. Yeah. Well – he brought the energy, and he also brought the awkwardness. And it was through no fault of his own. It wasn't his fault that, that things got awkward. But there was a sign as he was giving uh, as he was giving his speech. The AB or the ESPN cameras actually showed a sign in the crowd. Somebody holding up it says "Gruden 2018," and it's the elephant in the room, Rick. I don't know if tonight <laughs> changed anything. I don't know if 
I, I don't know that we're any closer to John Gruden making a decision about whether he wants to coach again. We don't even know if the Glazers want to fire Dirk Cutter yet. And I don't know if tonight's game had an impact on that. I don't know if next week's game has an impact on any of that. If it did, if, if these games still matter, if the Glazers are still in a position where they're still thinking about it, then I think tonight you, is a check mark in Dirk Cutter's favor because I look at this game tonight and I say, hey, okay, this is what it looks like when it's looking like it's supposed to look like. Uh, they played well. Now, if you've already made a decision, then tonight's game doesn't matter. But, um, but it, uh, it just made for, again, for just a, a strange, surreal type of couple of days here. It was a very bizarre week. We wrote a lot about John Gruden. We wrote a lot about Dirk Cutter. I think it was tough for Dirk to survive this night. And they were down 17-7 to at halftime when this all took place. And this team came back and, and almost won the game. But I think... You know, it's a bottom-line business, and the Glazers will look at the win-loss record, and they will look at what the expectations were, and they're going to look at what they think this team should have accomplished. And it's, he's going to fall way short of it, injuries notwithstanding, Jameis Winston being hurt notwithstanding. They're going to say, we should have won a lot more than four games. This is not what we're in it for. We're in it to be in, in, to win championships. We need to make the playoffs. We haven't done that for 10 years. Yes, Jameis is getting better. Yes, there are some positive signs. But I just wonder if the record itself doesn't get him because it's so profoundly disappointing that they have a real chance here of, of not winning more than four games, which is one more than Lovey Smith won in his first year. <laughs> right. Okay? Not, that's without Jameis Winston. Right. And one less than he won in his last year, right? I mean, that's it, right. He, he won six. six. So here's the, here, but here's the funny thing, Rick, and, is, and you're absolutely right. And I'm a big believer in the old Bill Parcells theory, which is your record, you are what you your are record, who says, your record you are. says you are. However, having said that, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna give you real quick. <laughs> the end of the New England game, you complete a pass. It's a 20 yard pass. You complete that pass, you win that game. Green Bay, you go to overtime. You had every chance to win that game. And tonight, you kick a field goal. Matt uh, uh, Patrick Murray just misses it wide right. Say you win that game. Rick, you're seven and seven. You're seven and seven. You know what else? You're still in the playoff hunt. You're still you're still alive for a playoff spot. Now I know every team in the NFL can do that. Every team in the league could say, "Let me change three plays, yes. and I'll take a I'll take a, a six and, and ten team and turn it into ten." And, or, and not uh, only that, but I can change three plays in the games they won and they lose them. So sure, the Giants you know, game, yeah, the Giants yeah, game was unfortunately a, yeah, exactly, that's right. just that's just not it. Just doesn't work that way. It doesn't really matter. But I know what you're saying, and yet if they don't win a game in these next two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. then you would have lost, what, six in a row to finish the season? Am I right about yeah. that? No, I think you're right. Six yeah. straight games with a healthy Jameis Winston, with a reloaded Jameis Winston. Winston. Yeah. Granted, a lot of other guys are not healthy, and there's even fewer players for these next two weeks. But six in a row in a 4-12 and season, if you, if you lose these next two, and they're very capable of that, I, I just, you know... It's it's not going to be a good discussion for Dirk Cutter. And, you know, the fact is, is he's a first-time head coach in the NFL. He's not a young guy. He's He was 56, I think, when they hired him. Um, he's not a guy that had success. There's no track record as a head coach. There's a lot of offensive coordinators that don't do well as head coaches. You know, Dirk was 9-7. and seven. Give him all the credit in the world for that last year. But he comes back with all these expectations. They go 4-12 and 12 and lose their last six games. 
You make the argument. I mean, it's going to be very tough in a no, business it's a, like it's this. it's a hard argument to make. And, and to your point, when I was pointing out all these games that they almost won but didn't, you almost forget about them now. You almost have to remind yourself how close they were in some of those mm-hmm. games because all you do look at it is the fact is they're 4-10. and ten. That, That's Bottom line is they're 4-10. and ten. doesn't matter how you get there, how, how, you know, I, I, what breaks you had, what breaks you didn't have. Oh, and oh, by the way, they will have not won a single division game if they don't win the next two weeks. They could go 0 for 6. And that's probably the most damning thing yet. Because all that matters is what you do in the division. You know, you can almost live with a loss to the, the Patriots or an AFC team or an NFC North team here or there. If you're not competitive, if you're not getting after, and they were 4-2 and two in this division last year. They, right. they had a really good record in this division last year. And to go 0-6 a year later with, a, with what they thought was a better football team and by all, by all you know, shapes and sizes should have been a better football team even still – there's, it's just very little evidence and very little time for Dirk Cutter to, to really um, get, some, get some things in his favor. Here's the thing, too. When you look back at, um, when you look back at this season and, and if they end up losing these uh, – if they lose next week, say badly, say they go out there and just get creamed next week, then you forget all about how competitive they were in the Atlanta game. It's just another loss. So That's right. as much as you could sit there and say, hey they, hey, they played really hard. Well, they played hard tonight. Let's see what they do next weekend because they could get seal club next weekend. And, and, then, and then once you get to New Orleans game, it doesn't even matter. That game may not even matter to Saints, and who cares what happens uh, at that point on. Uh, they're going to have to play these games, though, Rick, without a lot of guys. No O.J. Howard probably. You're missing guys on defense already with Joe McCoy and Levante David. Both missed Monday night's game. Um, I just, I just at this point we were you and I were joking about it. they may have to go sign some people before this whole thing's over in the next week just to fill fill the team they had yeah it's ridiculous it's going to be hard they're going to have to take guys off the practice squad for sure um, you know they they looked out there and they they had lost most of their defensive alignment or you know you're playing with guys that um, you know don't don't play the run that are out there on the D line it was. It was hard, man. It's going to get harder. These new guys, short week now going to Carolina, who absolutely has to win. Carolina's a hot team. They just uh, beat Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you're on the road on Christmas Eve. I mean, these these are going to be real gut checks, and it will be a test as to how professional these guys are and whether or not they, uh, you know, whether or not they can pull it through. So we'll we'll see. It's uh it's it's been an interesting season. It's been a very difficult season to cover, um, and yet you know. There are some – I mean, as long as number three is zinging it, I think most coaches would feel pretty good about their chances. Um, and I will say that he looks better in these last couple of weeks than, than he has pretty much all season. And that's the one good thing that maybe Dirk Hutter has going for him. He could, he could try to point to these couple of games if, if they're still making up their mind at all. But it'll be fun to see how this team performs, particularly if Jameis Winston – I even asked Jameis – Physically, are you feeling as good as you've felt in a while now with your shoulder now? Man, I'm just prepared to play. Yeah, that's all I can say. I'm, I'm prepared to play. He sort of ducked the question, but my gut feeling is, because he's not a type of guy guy's going to make excuses. Um, but I, I look, just watching him play, you could tell that this is, this is the healthiest he's been. So it should be – I'll tell you what, they're, they're going to end up losing these last two games, I think, unless the, the New Orleans doesn't care about the last one. But – there's still something to watch about this team over the next few weeks, the next couple of weeks, and it's these are not going to be uninteresting 
uh, two weeks and two games left. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can check us out on iTunes or Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe. You can also find us on Twitter. Uh, the podcast Twitter handle is at Rick Tom Podcast. Rick is at NFL Strat. I'm at Tom W. Jones. Thanks again to our producer, Steve Verstick. Have a great day, everybody. Dirk Cutter will talk on Tuesday. We'll get a little bit better reaction in terms of, or find out a little bit more about who's healthy and who'll be ready to play on Sunday. And maybe we'll have a better idea about who their coach is going to be next season. That'll all be determined here in the next couple weeks. We'll be talking about it. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 